what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, to mask or not to mask, that's the question. CDC guidance on mask wearing has changed, so how should your business handle it? We've got a few thoughts. Our guest today is Giles Nugent, the co-founder and chief operating officer of a fintech company, which is working to save people money on their HSAs. Listen up and we'll explain what fintech and HSAs are. And as always, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and the Arts at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary. How is it going today? Jeff, I'm doing great and excited. Uh, we just finished our spring semester and we made progress. Last year, we had drive-through graduation. This year, we had a walk-through graduation. So I think that makes us uh, in the next step to be a full-fledged graduation next year. Although I think we'll learn some good things from the last two graduations and modified, but excited we were able to graduate our students. I, I think at some point we will look back and uh, realize that there are some lessons that we've learned and we've hopefully uh, learned how to be more productive with, with Zoom meetings and WebEx meetings and whatnot. Then, you know, we certainly miss uh, being together and, and having in-person classes, but, but hopefully there's some productivity improvements that will come out of this. I just definitely have learned a lot of our programs didn't have online course work at all. And now after the pandemic, even our technical programs have uh, video lectures at which they complement with face-to-face. And so there's no doubt that we're going to be more efficient, efficient, efficient than I normally am. We'll be efficient, fictional, and effective. You hear me. I always say effective and efficient. So I combine that. So sort sort of related to this, uh, I, I was going through our Startup Catawba website, which people can visit at www.startupcatawba.com, and there was uh, a little blog on there about uh, how do businesses respond to changes in guidelines. Our, our state, North Carolina, has removed the state's indoor mask mandate for most settings, and North Carolina has also, also lifted all mass gathering limits and social distancing requirements for outdoor events, but uh, they really haven't provided much direction for businesses. So the the new question for small businesses is, should they continue to provide masking guidance? And they had a few suggestions out there. Number one, uh, and I'll throw them out there. Tell me what you think. Uh, Number one, they said, do what feels right for you and your team. Train your employees on your policy. Communicate to the public and what policy is on what the policy is. Be loud, be clear, and stick to it. So that's one approach. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, the sort of business that has customers coming in and out, whether it be retail, service, whatnot, said set up special times for those with compromised immune systems, where it might be from... Tuesday from one to five, everyone's got to wear a mask or, or, you know, certain, certain times to, to make it, uh, people that have those concerns to feel safer, continue to keep, uh, social distancing top of mind 
And uh, last thing they said, support your team. Uh, you know, stay calm, stick to your policy, and support your team. So pretty good advice there. I think and again, that's really good advice. And yeah. I think that's the challenge that we have is we keep moving through the process. It's kind of like uh, when you see somebody now, you either do fist, elbow, wave. It's kind of we're moving to the next phase now. It's what are we going to do with mass? And I think that uh, whatever's going to make the people that are working there most comfortable and as well your customer. I think you have to, you don't want to turn your customers off by doing it one way that, you know, that the majority of them would like to either have their mask on or mask off. And that's the challenge, isn't it? It in is. That, in that, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, people seem to have gotten a little too uh, passionate about one way or the other and that, uh, you know, we're basically trying to keep people safe. And if we are wearing masks, that upsets people. If we're not wearing masks, that upsets people. So it's it's a challenge. Yeah, I think that is the challenge. And I think most people understand, but like I say, there's some passionate folks that get irritated if you're going one way and they feel another way. But of course, that's life in general too. Well, you know, we, we, we have, you know, fist bumps, elbow bumps. Yeah, I, Gary, I miss hugging you. you know, I know. I, I, I can't wait till that time comes again. I, I feel the same way. Okay. Well, it's coming. It is coming. All right. I believe it's coming. Right. I don't want to jinx it, but it, it's going to be here soon. In fact, that's what we're counting on for the fall. A lot of hugging? Semester. No, not a lot of hugging. I guess that could happen too. But uh, we'll be closest to where we were before the pandemic. Uh, with temperature checks and masks, although we'll always, uh, for the fall semester, have masks on when you're in classrooms. I think right now, well, just we'll, to be careful. We'll see. We'll see how things progress. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll report back in about four or five months to see where we are. Well, knock on wood. We hope things continue to improve. Let's welcome our guest. Uh, Sounds great. Uh, our guest today is uh, Giles Nugent. Giles, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It's well, a beautiful day. Well, we, we appreciate you joining us from Connecticut. Giles is co-founder and chief operating officer of a company called Solution, a fintech company focused on saving consumers money on their healthcare expenses. And, and he was involved in the startup, which was about a year and a half ago. Uh, prior to the startup, uh, Giles had a very successful career working on Wall Street with uh, such companies as PIMCO. Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, uh, Salomon Brothers, sort of uh, some some uh, gold chip type uh, players out there. So, uh, uh, and he did all this after securing his under undergraduate degree at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, where he and I met. Great school. But, but he also got an MBA at Duke University. You know, so that's Carolina's a, a great school. A little bit of a conflict there. And, and yes, Giles, just FYI for you, Gary went to Wake Forest where he played on the golf team. So uh, yeah, he, he does have an ACC background. Yes. But anyway, welcome, welcome to welcome to the show. We do have Thank a big you. four Thank covered. You. Well, 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 Giles, tell you you started a business called Solution about a year and a half ago. Tell us a little bit about Solution. What do they do, and and how do they help people save money? Okay, thanks, Jeff. So, welcome everybody. Happy to chat with you. So, Solution is a health savings account administrator or an HSA administrator. And for those of you who have a health savings account currently, for those of you familiar with it, um. You probably have one at your local bank or whoever the firm, your firm that you work for chose for you, or you could have it with us. For the rest of you who aren't quite so sure what that, what the, a health savings account is, a health savings account is a 
tax-advantaged vehicle that if you have a certain type of health care plan, specifically a high-deductible health care plan, you are allowed to create a health savings account to pay for your medical expenses. Any money you put in the health savings account is deducted from your taxable income up to an annual limit. And then you just have to use that for medical expenses. So we are yet another health savings account administrator, yet we have a specific angle that's unique, which is why we started this business. So, and, and, and really, I guess, benefits of health savings accounts, and, and I've been learning this in, in my conversations with Giles and, and, uh, and other people, is that there, there's, you, know, you, you can put money into your HSA. It's going to be uh, non-tax money. And it rolls over. You can accumulate it, and and at some point, when you reach certain ages, can it be used for other things as well? It is transferable to other people, I believe. It, it is, um, but even in a broader scope, a health savings account is actually even better than an IRA or four hundred one k. Similar but better. So any money you put in um, comes off your taxable income, just like money you put in your four hundred one k. Prior to the age of 65, you have to use the money for medical expenses. And when you do, you can just pull it out and use it for your medical expenses, no tax consequences. Obviously, the money that's in there can grow tax-free. It is your money, just like an IRA. Once you hit 65, the beauty of an HSA is it's a mix of an IRA and an HSA. You can pull it out for anything, any expense, like you do for an IRA, and you just pay taxes on it as ordinary income, which is what happens if you pull money out of your IRA. However, if you still, at that point, you pull it out for medical expenses, which let's face it, when you're 65 or older, tends to be a lot of your expenses, you pull it out and you don't have to pay taxes on it as ordinary income when you pull it out. So again, you put money in your HSA, it grows tax-free, you get to use it for medical expenses, no um, taxes on it when it comes out. If you pull it out for, as an IRA, then you just pay um, ordinary income taxes on that. So a lot of flexibility there. Wonderfully flexible and often misunderstood, which is part of why we're in, in the business. So, so in, you, you said that as an administrator, you do it a little bit differently than other people. What's, you know, what's, your, what's your pitch? You know, how do you, uh, and are you approaching businesses? Or are you approaching individual consumers? So first, let's talk about the pitch, and then we'll talk about how we're approaching people. So the idea of the pitch is, and this came from us, um, my partner um, was a trader on Wall Street. He works for hedge funds. He was involved in healthcare finance. And he found, when looking at HSAs, he saw how they were underutilized. And by that, what we mean is, if you look at the number of people who qualify to use an HSA, and we all have medical expenses, and now we even have over-the-counter medical expenses, they can be used by your HSA as well. So, for example, Tylenol or contact lens, you can use your HSA money for. Of all the people who are eligible for an HSA, and which is about 30% of the people who get health care based on the type of health care they get, about one-third of those don't put any money in their HSA. It's, they get the health care because it's the cheapest health care, but they don't put money in the HSA. So they get none of the tax benefits of the HSA. About another 50% of people put money in, but only to some minimum amount. Um, and then especially if you have an emergency room visit, you certainly didn't plan on that. So again, you're paying for a medical expense and you're not getting the tax savings that the government is offering you. About 15% use it, use it fully. So for those people who don't use it, 
the main reason they don't use it, we've talked to a lot of people about it, is people don't want to put money in a savings account. Some don't have the money or some choose not to put the money in ahead of time um, because it's liquidity. It's cash that they could use for something else. Like maybe they keep it to buy their kids Christmas presents. Um, they just don't want to lock it up in that. So they don't put any money in. And again, they're not getting the tax savings. So we looked at it and thought, well, what if we can find a way to create an HSA where you don't have to put money in ahead of time? And that is what we've created. So with us, as opposed to you putting money in your HSA, getting a medical expense, paying for the medical expense out of your HSA and getting the tax deductions, with us, don't put any money in your HSA up front. Just pay for the medical expense. You have to do that anyway. Once you've paid for it, you just log the expense with us. Literally go to our app, enter the expense amount, take a picture of the receipt, and you're done. We get you the tax deduction. At the end of the year for individuals, for companies a little different, um, you get the form from the IRS, from your from our partner bank that says you've contributed this much to your HSA, you get the tax deduction. Okay. So that's a lot of technical um, speech, and it sounds interesting. And for people who really want to get involved in this, and you start thinking about it, it's like, this is a great opportunity. But I'm going to make it even simpler. People aren't getting these tax deductions. How much are they foregoing every year on these tax deductions? That's the real number that matters. And if you do the math, think about it. Guess for a second how much in lost tax deductions are people giving away? Jeff, you have a guess? Thought a number? Uh, well, cumulatively or per person? Cumulatively, cumulatively across the country, every year, how much are tax deductions I, people I, just I, throwing I can't away? imagine Sorry, what the number tax is. Savings. You're, you're, tax savings. I don't know, but you're about to increase the national debt with your, with your business. <laughs> well, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Well, that's, that is true. So it's somewhere on the order of $25 billion a year in tax savings are thrown away just because people are required to have a balance in a health savings account before they get the tax advantage. We're creating it so you don't have to build the balance ahead of time. We'll get you the tax advantage. So, so now this sounds appealing because I don't have to stick three thousand dollars in an account, you know. And, exactly. and and if I have a bill for five hundred dollars, I can work with you to get it paid. I I assume that you guys, you're, you're there are fees involved that you know your company has to make some money there. Yes, yes, so, we so, want to do that. So is it, is it a, a commission? Is it a, a flat fee? Or how does that work for you? So for for individuals, and we'll get to the companies then, so that helps. So for individuals, we charge you $3 per month, which is a pretty typical price for health save, any health savings account. So if you went to your local bank, a lot of them would charge you about that amount. You may find different rates. So for the same amount, you get the health savings account, but we have the added ability of not having to create a balance. For companies... If you, by doing this, not only do you get the tax savings, if, but if you get this HSA through the company, the company gets the tax savings. And by that, any money you put in your HSA is considered a um, non-taxable compensation, sorry, a pre-tax uh, compensation for the company. And so they do not have to pay Social Security taxes on that. So for every dollar you put in your HSA, they save 7.65%. On it, so that's a huge savings for them. And for companies, we'll either charge three dollars a person a month, or we say, you know, we'll put our money where our mouth is, yeah, whatever the phrase is, um, and we'll say we'll just take half the tax savings. So you have people who aren't using their HSA at all. You're paying three dollars a month instead. Use ours. We won't charge you a cent. You'll get a lot more tax savings, and then you just pay us half the tax savings. We both win. That's good. 
Well, I mean, that's that's it. Sort of sounds like a win-win situation, mm-hmm. other than the fact that you're increasing the national debt. But I mean, that, that yeah. our, our government but is going to do an issue right yeah, now. Yeah, we yeah. don't really care about that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What is that? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, thank you for explaining that, and and uh, and and hopefully our listeners know a little bit more about HSAs. Tell us, tell us a little bit about about your yeah. How, you, you spent a good deal of time on Wall Street. And and work with with several pretty darn established companies. Uh, you know, how did you go from from there to you know, you're you're, you're sort of in startup mode now? Where right. I, I'm assuming that uh, when you're in startup mode, it's not like uh, you're paying yourself a big salary now. But uh, you know, how's how did you go from Wall Street to to Solution? So I, I'm paying myself a salary of zero dollars. Okay. Um, and my partner's paying himself a salary of zero dollars. So yes. So um, after being on Wall Street for a number of years, I you know, went went well. Um, I retired. And so uh, why why did I retire? You know what does that mean? Well, it was great, but at some point you're like, you know, I just don't want to do be in an environment where I'm constantly under pressure from others to meet their their needs, not even just the company's needs, but the other people who each have their own their own needs. That is a a factor of any firm, and certainly, you know, as you strangely enough, as you get more senior, it gets worse, not better. Um, tired of that. Three hours of commuting every day. Hmm. Um, I became a bureaucrat. Right <laughs> at that point, I'm just managing people and projects. I'm not building things anymore. Um, you know, at the core, I feel like we're all builders. And in fact, on the side, I actually build apps because that's, you know, strangely enough, one of the things I do for fun. Um, and, and so, and, you know, to the financial side, which is also important, my kids are um, almost fully grown. So covered, you know, covered for college. Um, so, you know, saved a little bit of money. So I was able to step away and do this and spend more time with my wife, more time with my family and quite honestly, more time on myself. Um, you know, I was every day I was getting up at, you know, five 30 and I would get home at nine, you know, and then quickly have dinner and go to bed on weekends. I was either working or thinking about working. It's all great. It's a wonderful career, met some amazing people. And at some time you just got to say enough's enough. Let's try something different. Yeah. And and you talked a little bit about your partner who, uh, had experience in, in, Healthcare or health savings accounts. I mean, is it, you know, when we talk about starting businesses, we often say, "Hey, the best thing to do is identify a problem out there that is not being solved." I mean, is there was there a, a light bulb that went off at one point in time, or was this just something that this sort of over time, uh, he and you sort of said, "Hey, there might be an opportunity here." So I would say a light bulb went off in his head about how there are these health savings accounts, which are tax advantaged, that are being underused. And in fact, the original idea came from a medical lending need. So we are fintech, healthcare finance, however you want to put those together, that take it even a step further, and this is a future goal of the company, if you have to take out a loan to pay for a medical expense, which many people do, um, one, it's hard to do today, so we can actually solve that problem. But more importantly, when you pay it back, you're either paying back at normal interest rates, but if you pay it back through your HSA, you get the tax deduction on paying back the medical loan. And keep in mind, if you're taking out a medical loan, you probably don't have an HSA balance. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, 
a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So that was the initial connection of how you can do medical lending much cheaper than anybody else by using an HSA. Um, So that that was the light bulb. Over time, that evolved to, look, if you just make HSAs work better, you could do medical lending and a whole bunch of other stuff, which are getting people these tax deductions very easily. Um, So fundamentally, it's the same underpinning idea for us, but that's how the the idea grew. But that was the original idea from him. When I started with him, um, we worked together at Bank of America. I was in technology, and he was a trader on the trading desk. And he originally called me up just to talk about the idea. And in fact, I didn't join him right away, and I made a suggestion of some type of people he should look for. Um, people who were much more up to date on the latest technologies was what he was looking for. Um, and he did that, but we continued to chat. And after a while, as I was doing this exploring, I was working with nonprofits. I was uh, on the board of a couple of, of groups, doing a little consulting, doing iPhone programming on the side for fun. Um, I called them back up and said, okay, this is moving along. Let's just chat. I'll come hang out there and help you. Just let's see what happens, which, which is a very important lesson. I didn't know where it was going to go, but just keep reaching out, keep trying things. And the more I worked with him, the more this seemed like a really good opportunity to get involved with this. And eventually, you know, we partnered up and that's how I'm now a partner at, at this organization. Cool. And, and as you were going through your startup process for building the business, you know, you, you, you've got a website out there, you've developed a, a platform. I mean, did you, did you go out and get, uh, customer feedback? I mean, how, how did you sort of validate that this might be a workable uh, idea? Or are right, you still doing right. that? We're, well, we're still doing that, but we've, we, and we've learned lessons. And in hindsight, there's some things we do a little differently. But a couple of, of words of wisdom around this that we've learned. Um, for starters, t- to make a company successful, and, and this gets to the raising money to pay for the making of the company, you need one of two things. You either need to be able to sell a really good idea or you need customers, one or the other. My partner's a finance guy. I'm a tech guy. Neither of us are salespeople. So you can imagine which one we didn't choose. Um, as opposed to trying to get customers right away, we worked on building the platform. And so that was our initial focus. And we spent the last 18 months doing that to get customers. And over that time, we've gotten a number of individual customers on, which has helped us validate the platform. And actually, our first company is signed up and starting with us as of next Tuesday. So you got us at a really interesting time. We're excited about that. We're very excited about that. So we're getting now getting customers on to validate it. Looking back, though, in hindsight, we've spent too much time building out the platform and we should have validated it sooner. Now, we still feel comfortable. We still feel it is good. But I, I would say that you know after you get started – you really need to validate what you're doing very quickly and try and find customers to see if there is a market. So first you figure out, is there a market in our head? $25 billion, there's the market for you. Okay, that sounds interesting. If we can get a part of that, that would be awesome. Um, But you still got to make sure that your idea works. So it sounds good on paper, may sound good in a podcast. Does it sound good for a company? You know, you have to start talking to companies and actually seeing if they'll pay for it, right? Because you want to get paid for this great idea. So we should have validated it a little sooner. Hindsight, like I said, we're still good and we're pushing the companies now, but I would say we probably spent too long building the platform and didn't jump on the, the pushing the sales pitch first. But 
hindsight. You know, as you as you look out into the future, do you see the growth opportunities with individual consumers, or or is it going to be really directed more toward businesses? It's going to be towards business businesses. The additional savings to business um, companies are very interested in offering better benefits these days. As you know, the uh, there is a labor shortage certainly in certain lines of businesses, um, and just for scale. It just makes more sense for businesses. Uh, the cost of acquiring, you know, what's the cost of acquiring a customer? Well, we're making $3 a person a month and the cost of acquiring somebody through a Facebook ad, you know, it could end up being $10 a person, right? By the time you factor in, you know, all your costs, you divide by how many customers you get. And, you know, you have to do that. Well, $10 a person for $3 a month. Okay. You know, if I know I'm going to keep someone for two years or more, that's not bad, but it's a long road, though. Yeah, it is a long road to get payback on that. Acquiring a company, especially, we get a couple on and we get a little, a little more um, you know, noise about us. That becomes a much cheaper proposition, and a company will bring on ten, fifty, hundred, thousand people at a time. Um, then the scale there just makes a lot more sense because the process behind it, and, and this is actually really important with startups now. Um, People talk about what does it take to get to start up a business? Well, the barrier to entry to being a startup right now is pretty low. Um, on the assumption that there's a technology basis, which is what a lot of startups are, a lot of we are, well, we're, we're on Amazon, you know, we're on the cloud. So all of our technology is hosted elsewhere. So, okay, I don't have to buy a big technology infrastructure. Um, we've hired some consultants to work for us. They're all young, reason, you know, out of school recently, really smart. We have to teach them the, the business side of it but they're really good. They do a great job. So you're not hiring experienced, super expensive people. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get going on this and, and to get it started and, and to, um, you know, test it out, see if it works. So, so you, you, you talked about a little bit about, uh, your salary level at this point in time, you know, which yeah. is, which is not great, but, uh, you're starting to get some traction. You, you know, what yeah. in, in terms of uh, funding over the longer term, we're going to see you on Shark Tank, or what? Uh, you know, what's uh, <laughs> no. you know, what's what are your funding plans? Maybe not on Shark Tank. Though so, you know, Mark Cuban's pretty smart about these sorts of things. But no, so it goes back to how much does it cost to run this thing? And, and we have this conversation all the time that. Um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of people to get us going. So for the next little while, yes, we would like to raise some money, but we're not looking to raise five or $10 million to get this thing going. And we don't want to give away the company for that. So we're trying to keep it as lean as possible, though we are in friends and family and thinking about, you know, what should we do to increase our funding a little bit for the, say, for the next year. At the point that we get big, and we really have to have a full-blown organization, then yes, we have to raise money. And we've already talked to a number of investors. And the response from all of them has been, this sounds really great. I think it's cool. Once you get some customers and you show me that this will work, come back to us. And it's been fair. And, you know, it's a complicated topic. Um, but very enthusiastic. I, I, very honest, I feel like they were very, you know, open to having another discussion with us, which we'll do to, to raise money. And the idea is, you know, once, once this gets a little more traction – even if we need some money in the short term to get us through the next year, um, but get a little more traction established, then it's time to think about a much, much larger fundraising. Well, with um, your background, you have a lot of contacts. And we, yeah, yeah, we've, we've managed that. And we also started at a technology accelerator. So uh, we applied and it's called ERA, 
in New York, but there are loads of these. You know, they give you a little bit of money, they take a little bit of the company, but as importantly, they offer you a mentoring environment and a connection to a lot of investors. So that helped us a lot, talking to different people in different roles at different companies about the things, you know, we know finance, we know technology, we're not that familiar with the rest of the business, of facets of a business, and also the whole fundraising process. So that was a great entree into the fundraising community. We've already presented to them once. That's where we got a lot of that feedback. We're going back to those people and, and we'll now use that as a way to raise money. So, so when you started this, and I think at least your involvement started in, in December 2019, yeah. you, you did not uh, anticipate uh, creating a startup during a pandemic. Is that for, for, this, type, for this type of business, is that impacted you or are you like so virtual that it's uh, no big deal? Virtual works just fine. We would love to spend more time together, um, but virtual works fine. We're on Zoom all day long. Um, you know, I'll spend eight hours looking at a computer all day. Um, when we're working with the developers and we're going over bugs and issues, we get on, they show the code. I have a technology background. We talk through it. We talk through the business logic. So you have to spend a lot of time with people. You can't just go away. But with that, it actually works fine. Again, it'd be better to be in an office. Then, uh, you know, even further, not so much about the work environment, but just about the overall environment, COVID, healthcare, money, people wanting to save money, people being open to new ideas. Um, you know, I, I, every cloud has a silver lining kind of thing. It's been a horrible experience. I know all of you said that, but as you've said at the beginning, you've learned things as well. You now, you know, at the university, you have much more of an online presence going forward for people who can't make it to class. Would you have spent that much money and time doing that now? Never. If there wasn't a, a pandemic? Never. We were now that you it. have it, is that awesome? You're like, how did we survive without it? This is like the answer to a lot of questions. So... Same sort of thing. So, so in terms of uh, the business, and you know, and, and perhaps it's uh, premature to even ask. I mean, do you guys think about some sort of exit strategy or, or end game, or you know, is this something that that uh, could be packaged and sold, and, and then you could go buy an island and remember who your <laughs> friends are, <laughs> and remember who my friends are? That's right. See if they want to hang out with me. Um, that, that's a maybe. Of course, anybody would do that, and anybody who says they're not going to do that is, is lying. However, I, I, I will say this. Don't start the business with the idea of selling it. A lot of people do, and that's fine. You know, whatever works for people. Our goal is to make this a going concern. And if we're running a large or larger business in five years or 10 years, you know, that's awesome. My partner's a little younger than I am, so you know, he'd hang out with it a little longer than I would probably. But that's perfectly okay. Um, that, that's our real goal. And, and I would say if you focus on that, the other opportunities will come. And maybe someone will come one day and offer us some money and we'll say, okay, that is the right time to make that choice. You know, it's, it's not personal. It's a business decision. Somebody offers you enough money, okay, you know, we'll do that. But don't worry about that. Just worry about making a successful company. Yeah, and, and we're two people who have worked in large corporations for a number of years. So we're not totally ignorant of how a large corporation works, obviously, and, and we're using these other skills. So we're perfectly happy to do that, but we get to do it our way. Good answer. All right. Any, uh, any other advice that you want to share with people just from a, from a business startup perspective? Certainly. So when you asked me about this, Jeff, I, I went back and I jotted down some notes. What would be my talking points to people who are thinking about a, a business, some ideas? So 
Uh, I'm going to run through them. I think they're worthwhile. So, so the first off, you're thinking about startup, find your passion and do what you know. I've met many people who say, here's a great idea. Let's do this business. And the first question is, do you know this business? Right? Is this something? You, well, no, but I think it's a great opportunity. It's like, well, so does everybody else. Find what you know. You will do be much, much more successful. And the other ones are just great intellectual discussions, but you know, don't do that. Um, then look at the market and make sure it's big. You know, some ideas are great, but is there really a market for it? And is it a big enough market to make it worth the time and effort? And when we're talking about a big enough market, you know, millions is great, but you want to even think bigger than that. And even millions isn't enough. And, and if there is, then figure out how you want to do it. And this goes to your other part about validating the idea and getting customers. You want to constantly validate that over time, that that market's there, you're meeting a need, et cetera. Um, then when you get started, get the right team and keep it small. The, the two most important parts, and this is what I've been told and I've now found to be true, um, the two most important parts of a, a starting a business, the size of the market and the quality of the team. Right? We haven't even talked about the solution you're doing. But if you have those two, then you have a shot. And for those of you who want to sell right away, from what I've been told and people talking to us, people are more likely to buy you if they like the people than based on how far you are in your product. They can build anything. You um, every day, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. And that goes, I mean, my entire career on Wall Street, it was all about the people. Um, everything else could, could be dealt with. You have qual good quality people, you, you can go from there. Um, and this is the hardest one for a lot of people. Have a single boss. Usually startups are two people coming together and usually you need two or more people to come together because it's, it's a joining of ideas to be successful. My partner's a finance guy, I'm a technology guy. Regardless, have a single boss. Eventually, you'll have disagreements. You need the person who's going to make the decision. You'd rather make a wrong decision and work with it than make no decision. Just, and, and it will be a point of friction. So decide up front who's the boss, who gets to make the last decision, and just accept it. It'll solve a lot of problems. Um, make sure you have your 30-second pitch and your two-minute pitch down pat. Practice, practice, practice. Validate your idea. Less is better. We all like to build things to show off how smart we are. Buyers couldn't care less. They want the simplest solution to a problem they have today. So keep it simple. Um, and then validate your idea, validate your idea, validate your idea. Just do that all the time. And then if that works and you're successful, don't worry. The money will be there. Don't worry about the money. That's not the point. You know, whether you make a number or two times that number, does it really matter? Just, just make yourself successful and it'll work. Okay, that's my talking that's point. <laughs> yeah, be careful, or uh, Gary might hire you to teach some classes uh, for the community college. <laughs> so, some good courses uh, you'd be perfect hope, for. Yeah, hopefully, there's not an opening coming up soon, Jeff. So, oh, well. <laughs> you never know. Uh, well, Giles, I want to thank you very, very much for for joining us. It, you know, it, it you 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 sort of made a pretty complicated uh, topic understandable. So it, it certainly feels like you're, you're, you're doing well and, and we wish you the best of luck. If people want to find your company, where should they be looking? So solution.com, and I will spell that for you, S-A-L-U-S-I-O-N.com. And not only does it sound like solution, but Salus is a goddess of wellness, health, and prosperity. So there is actually a reason for that name. So if you go to solution.com, you'll have all the information. Feel free to reach out to us. I can't tell, wait to tell my friends I know a new word. 
solution. Yeah. Okay. Can't there. spell it. Yeah. S A L U S I O N dot com. All right. Well, look, you, you've been a great guest, and we'd like for you to stay here and participate in our lightning round. And, and this, this month, our lightning round is sponsored by, by Bushwood Country Club. If you're a one percenter, <laughs> they're the club for you. Due to the pandemic, Caddy Day, which was scheduled for 1 o'clock to 1.15 next Friday, has been postponed. But uh, Bushwood Country Club, you should check it out on the Internet. Giles, these are quick questions Quick answers. I just want to re- just want to remind you for everything you embarrassed me. I do know about your college days too. I know. I, I know. <laughs> I, you'll you'll do fine. Number question okay. number one. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, whining. People who whine. I can't stand it. Okay. Vacation spot you'd most like to visit after the pandemic, which is winding down. Yes. Yes. So um, I'd probably love to go to Italy or back to Italy. I have to admit, I've been there. Okay. It's just awesome place to hang out. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, or Jeff Bezos? Uh, well, the answer is Bill Gates, but I think I have to change that over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So um, I actually met Bill Gates many, many years ago in a conference and talked to him for just a couple of seconds with a bunch of other people. This is back in the 80s. I did not invest in his company, which was really stupid. He was the most brilliant negotiator I have ever met. And to this day, I still believe that. You know, they, we might have to update some of these questions in that uh, there, there are a couple of uh, warts on a few of these guys now and then. So anyway, um, which brings out a stronger emotion in you, your love for UNC basketball or your hatred of Duke basketball? My love for UNC basketball. I sure. don't. I don't hate Duke basketball, but I, I will throw a quick anecdote. In law, in in a law class at Duke, somebody asked to ask the teacher, "How do you split your loyalties?" And the response was, "Your heart goes to your undergrad. Your checkbook goes to your grad." Interesting. I like that. That's interesting. Okay. Be what happens the- if you do undergraduate? And graduate at the same school. They're, they're double downing on you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe black and gold. So. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Quarantine TV or movie streaming recommendation? Uh, well, Netflix, Peaky Blinders was awesome. Peaky Blinders? Uh, Peaky Blinders was probably the best, but like everybody, got a long list of them. Okay. Uh, last question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, to fly. That's a good one. All right. So, solution, S-A-L-U-S-I-O-N.com. That's where you can find out about uh, Giles. And I suspect if you uh, uh, type in Giles Nugent on LinkedIn, you can find him there as well. And uh, there you go. Giles, really appreciate you joining us today. At the end of our podcast, we like to, to quickly share a little bit about a, a small business or, or something uh, that we've come across. Do you have anything you'd like to, to share with our audience today? So one of the other projects I'm involved in, which is a great organization, is called Wings for Growth. It's a leadership development program for women in the, uh, in the corporate workplace. And now we're even branching out to women who aren't in the corporate workplace, but that's still in the works. Um, and it's to help them get past what we'll call the glass ceiling. And the point of the glass ceiling is it's artificial. And how do we help these women be even more successful? So it's a great program, Wings for Growth, wingsforgrowth.org. Um, and again, we do mentoring. 
We do a lot of mentoring. I've been a mentor there for a few years um, and help them with their program. So worth the look. Super. All right. Check out Wings for Growth. All right, Gary, what's your small business of the month? Thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month is Frozen Farmer, which I learned about watching my favorite TV show, Shark Tank. They're both a farmer and a chef growing ingredients on their third-generation farms and crafting the creamiest, most delicious ice cream and sorbet uh, from their family recipes. They use only the best premium cream and boatloads of luscious farm-fresh ingredients straight from the fields. And they use much imperfect imperfect uh, produce. Sorry, my allergies are getting to me. And I do say imperfect. Uh, not good produce. Well, it's good produce, but it doesn't look pretty. Okay. For their fruit-based confections as possible, uh, help build more sustainable and effective food system, help fight food waste, and ensuring local farmers like them uh, are rewarded for having their full harvest as well as throwing a bunch of stuff away. The frozen farmer Owners Kevin and Katie, and Katie's mother, they own the Evans Farm, and they grow lots of fresh produce to go to grocery stores. And a few years ago, the family found that the product uh, was going to the groceries that they were selling was great, but they were wasting a lot and losing a lot of profits that way. So they decided to go into this business and use imperfect uh, produce, which is not going to be seen by people when these products and they've turned a real problem into a winner. No super. Okay. Frozen Farmer. And you'll be able to find their product in Walmart, Kroger, Giant, several big stores. In okay. fact, we went the other night just to see if it was there, and it's there. Okay. Did you, did you eat it? Did you buy it? We didn't buy it. All right. Well, but I will after this show. I should have bought it so right. I could say I did. All right. Well, my small business, I've, I've not visited it yet either, but I was reading an article um, in, in the Washington Post about a, a business called the Turkey Leg Hut, which is located in the Third Ward of Houston, Texas. It was started by uh, a couple, Nakia and Lynn Price, who in 2016, they were selling their smoked turkey legs outside the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, which I've never been to either, attracts millions of guests each year and is home to some of the greasiest deep fried foods that you will find. Sounds like my kind of place. I thought so. I thought of you. Their turkey legs became a must-have for the rodeo visitors, so they decided to expand and opened their restaurant, the Turkey Leg Hut, in the third ward of Houston in 2017. They stuffed their legs with such dishes as Alfredo shrimp, crawfish macaroni and cheese, other delicacies, a lot of Creole. Soon the hut was seeing uh, daily lines, and it was visited by such celebrities that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, Gary, Flo Rida, Roland Martin, Dave Chappelle. Uh, the restaurant serves up to 25,000 customers per week, and uh, they're working on expanding. They recently opened the Daiquiri Hut, where guests can drink daiquiris, smoke hookah, eat their turkey legs. The article talked some about some tensions of gentrification in the third ward of Houston, uh, but... After looking at the menu, I urge our listeners to check out the turkey, the turkeyleghut.com in, in Houston. If you're ever in Houston, as Joe Bob would say, you should check it out. So Sounds good to me. Yeah. Anyway, well, you know, we find the reason to go to Houston. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, email them to us at the eexchange at the mesh.tv. 
Giles, I want to thank you for joining us today. It was a very pleasurable conversation. It's great to see you. Thank you. Uh, we want to we want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network. You should go to the Mesh.tv and check out all the cool podcasts that are going on there. And uh, everybody, we wish you a, a, a great late spring, early summer. Stay healthy, eat a turkey leg, and we'll look forward to talking with you next month. Sounds great. Everybody, be safe. You've been listening to the Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.